few of few folk there sitting very, very strategically next to the fireplace. Yeah, so they, that's what happens when you get here early, hey? Um, yeah, so Father, we just want to thank you this morning that we can gather uh, like this the early morning, and we pray, Lord, that you would come and meet with us, and that, Lord, open up our hearts to what you want to say, to your word. Pray you'd nourish us and challenge us in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so what I want to do is I just want to take uh, 10, 15 minutes and share something with you just to prepare us for worship and then afterwards is um, one of the things we have been contending for during this lockdown, this COVID period, is for a sense of participation, you know, uh, rather than spec- we come spectating, we come with a sense of participation in terms of what God would want to do or through us in each of us. And often the, our value in Josh Jane is one where we believe in uh, the priesthood of all believers, this idea that every one of us can minister to God. And, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in a um, church where there was only one minister, and he wore special religious clothing. Uh, for him, we called him Father, um, <laughs> and he, he, even, he looked religious. He looked like a minister. You know, I don't know if you know what a minister looks like, but this man, he carried himself as like the minister of God, and, um, and he had this long robe, and we, we, we kind of thought that he's the one that does the ministry, and I very much grew up in a church culture where I was, uh, I was programmed or bred in a sense to spectate rather than to participate, and I never understood that actually when we get saved and are filled with the Spirit, there's not one person or a small group that actually can minister. God calls us all to minister in various ways, to give ourselves in various ways. And part of the beauty of being the church is that we can come all ready to minister in some way and, and bless the Lord and bless and encourage one another in some ways. And um, so what happened was after I got saved, I was 17 years old when I got saved, and growing up in, in kind of the Catholic church, very traditional, into then a spiritual church, um, I got saved through a friend at school in matric, and then I started visiting this, it was quite a small Bible-based charismatic church, quite similar to Josh Jen in many ways, but the pastor was a very down-to-earth man, and I remember going to the church meetings for the first time and thinking how ordinary the services were. Um, there wasn't stained glass windows, there weren't like fancy trappings. Um, the pastor, I actually struggled to point him out, like who is the the pastor here, because there's different people that get up and speak. And, you know, you see the pastor because he looks older. And, and I found out, no, he wasn't. Um, he was one of the elders. But, but who is like the, the main, the lead elder? And I struggled to, to find out. And it took me a while to find out who the main pastor was. Also, they didn't call him, you know, senior pastor, Sid. Uh, or they didn't give him a, a, a he, had, he had a position, but he didn't have a title. And as I got into, this, into the church, I began to see that actually God's heart was for me to come and give and me to come and minister. And it's like God had to change something in me the way that I'd been brought up and grown up. And, um, and there were people that would pray and share testimonies. And, and there was just the body that would minister in different places and, and contexts. And, you know, um, obviously for us, and I want to read the scripture to us this morning. And I want to unpack five things, five very simple points from the scripture in 1 Corinthians and um, it's in 1 Corinthians 14. We're just going to read the, the section. I think Dave or Keenan might have read it last week. But I'm going to read the, the section. And um, I want to pick out five things here for us to encourage you in, for us in followers of Jesus. And, you know, again, if, uh, because we love the Lord Jesus, um, we serve Jesus. We know that he has called us to, to make a difference on this earth. 
And if we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, each of us can, can draw from him. You know, Ephesians 4 says that we are joined to the head, each one of us. And because we're joined to the head, not you are joined to the head, we are joined to the head together and are able to participate in him. And, um, and it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, it says, I'd like us to read it. It says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But there is no, if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. And if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, but God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Okay, so point number one, it says here in verse 26, <clears throat> what then... It says, when you come together, and, um, and the idea here is, is, that, is that obviously the gifts of the Holy Spirit that's speaking about in this context, for those of you who are not sure what the gifts of the Spirit are, <clears throat> they're not things like physical gifts that your parents give you or you receive on your birthday. We te- we're speaking about spiritual gifts that 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about, the gifts of prophecy and of tongues and of encouragement and of testimonies. Those things come by the Holy Spirit. And... Um, and so he says here, when you come together, you're able to come together and, um, and you know, obviously, we are people coming together. You, 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 while we can exercise the gifts on the Spirit on our own, do you know that you should actually, there's no point for you to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit on your own? Do you know that? And we'll see now why. Why isn't it, except one, there would be one gift that I think you can exercise on your own. Which gift is that? The gift of tongues, that's right. For, as a private prayer language, you can speak in tongues to edify yourself in the Lord. But beyond that, all the other gifts of the Spirit, you cannot practice them on your own. You can only do it when you're together with other people. Why is that? We're going to have a look at that in point five. I'm going to end with that one. But that's number one, is we've got to come together. And point number two, it says when you come together, each one has something. Each one. And you know... This is something I had to learn when I, when, I, when I got saved at 17 years old, because I didn't think that I had something. And, and the Bible says that when you come together, each one has something to give. Each one comes with something when they meet with other believers. And um, I would come always to say, no, one has something to give, which was the minister. He is the one that's got something to give, and, the, and I'm going to receive what he has, rather than saying, Lord, I'm coming with something to give. And so I want to ask you today is that, do you come with that hard attitude? Actually, we should, when we come into a church meeting, when you come into a home group or you're meeting with other believers, there should always be a sense of, Lord, I'm coming with something to give. I've got something here that I want to share with others too, in a sense that I'm not just going to come and receive. And while sometimes we must receive because we're not always in a good place, or we're not always ready to give as we feel we, we, we can, but our, our posture on the whole must be say that if we are following Jesus, he wants to use us in some way. He wants to use you as your mouthpiece. 
And, um, and this looks in different ways. You know, we can come to give, and it's often much easier to give when you're in a home group or a community group. Because when you're in that context, we can, you know, you can share and participate much easier. But when you're in a church context, in a Sunday meeting, we, we can't have everyone coming to give or say something. Because if everyone gets up to share, you know, if I have to open the mic and say, would each of you come and pray? Just each of you, you know, and that might be a very big stretch for some of you saying, uh-uh. You're asking me to pray publicly. No way. Some of you love doing that. Others of you, it's really hard. But let's say each one of us had to come up and pray something or, you know, share something or whatever. That would take, you know, it's just not always feasible. So in public meetings, it doesn't mean that we all have to share something. That's not what I believe he's saying. What he's saying is that you come ready to give. You come in your heart saying, Lord, I want to come and be a blessing this morning. I want to come and posture myself of how I can bless someone else this morning. I think that's the intent of what he's trying to say uh, here. And so he says, each one comes together. And then he says, let's look at point number three. And you come, each one has, let's look at point number three, and it's in verse uh, 26. Each one has, and it mentions a group of things that you can come with or come and, 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 and contribute with. Number one, a hymn. Number two, a lesson. What does that mean? Well, other Bible translations might say a teaching. Um, you know, someone comes with a teaching. Number three, a revelation. What does that mean, a revelation? You come with a revelation. Does it mean that you come with a book of revelation? <laughs> what does it mean, a revelation? Well, later on, actually, it speaks about this, where it speaks about a revelation in verse 30. And if we look at verse 30, you can jump there, uh, Chanel. Verse 30. And it says here, and it, it, it shows us in practice that when the church meets, it says that if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. What does that mean? How do we have a revelation? And the way that this works, and this has been my personal experience, the word revelation literally means to uncover something that was hidden, like the curtain's been pulled back, and now you see something that you didn't see before. And I've experienced it this way, that sometimes you could be worshiping the Lord or in, in, a, in a place where you're in a meeting with someone um, in, in church, and suddenly it's like something comes to your mind. Um, you know, like you, have this you suddenly have this picture that the Lord has given you, a scripture drops into your heart, and it's like you see something, and you have a, that's what it means. It means some kind of impression that comes into your mind, and then you're able to share that out of your mouth in your own words in some way. That, that's what it means. That's what a revelation is. How many of you have had a revelation before? Maybe even in your quiet time, you, you're reading something in the Word, and it like just drops. It's like, oh, I've seen something. It's like the curtain has been pulled back, and it's like I see something of the Lord, or I see something. Have any of you experienced that before? I'd just love to see... Only, okay, that's about half of us. Um, I want to say, friends, if you haven't experienced that, that is part of our inheritance that God speaks to us. He brings a revelation of what is known in Scripture. It's not, not something new. Some people say, oh, well, I had a revelation that, you know, that God is not three in one. God is five in one. You know, he, we don't believe, you know, not the Trinity, but there's another person of the Godhead and another one as well. No, no, that's not revelation. That's just you've... You know, you, you ate too much pizza last night. Um, that's not revelation, right? Revelation is something that the Spirit, He reminds you of something that's already true. He, he never contradicts His Word with revelation. So it says that there's a revelation that comes. The next one it says, it says there's tongues and interpretation. 
And uh, it's interesting here that when it mentions public tongues, there should always be an interpretation. That if someone in our meeting speaks in tongues publicly, in other words, for everybody to hear, he says there should always be an interpretation. Um, let me share a story with you on tongues. Um, now, tongues is obviously a prayer language. It's something we can do privately. And there's different types of tongues. There's, um, we've preached on this, I think, about three, four months ago. And we know we get private tongues where you can pray, you know, in a sense, build up your spirit. But then you get public tongues. And there's two types of public tongues. Or one type of public tongues is where you are able to um, uh, pray, in a sense, but with, a, with a heavenly language, a spiritual language. And the Bible speaks about types of tongues. And maybe your tongue is not an earthly language. But then you get other kinds of tongues that are earthly languages. For example, in Acts 2 at Pentecost, there are the disciples are filled with the Spirit and they speak with languages that people can understand. And, um, and, and sometimes that happens in our meetings, especially for evangelism. I've got a good friend in Sunningdale Congregation, Malcolm. And Malcolm was sharing a story with me where he went into a church. He was actually on holiday in Natal, in KwaZulu-Natal. And he felt the Lord prompt him to go to this specific church um, that morning. He was driving past on his way somewhere else. And this church service was starting. It was an Anglican church. And he felt the Lord prompt him to say, Malcolm, I want you to go into that church this morning. Um, and I want you to, I'm going to use you. And he's like, sheesh, okay. And so he felt, re he felt it was heavy on him. So he drove his car into the parking lot. And he walked into this. He said it wasn't a big uh, a church. Maybe 60, 70 people in this little Anglican building in, in somewhere in KwaZulu-Natal, wherever he was. And the service started. And... Um, he said it was like being in a cemetery. It was really dry. And it was, but they started singing some hymns, and he started worshiping with the people. And during the worship, he sensed the Lord say to him, I've got a tongue for you. I want you to speak out publicly in tongues. Now he's wrestling. He's like, me speak out in tongues? Okay, but this Lord, this is like a, they're not going to receive this. This is a conservative church. Um, they probably don't even believe in that. And now, like, I'm going to probably offend people. And the Lord said, I brought you here for a reason, speak out in tongues. And so by faith, he just, there was a little gap between songs, you know. And if, <laughs> in the gap, he just, he's, he just, where he was, he started speaking in tongues. And he, and he basically brought this tongue. And then afterwards, there was this awkward silence. And, um, and, the, and kind of the old lady on the organ just played the next song. And they just carried on. And he sat there and he felt like, I'm, Lord, what have I done? This is such a failure. And he understood that there should be an interpretation and there should be, you know, a public tongue. He, he wasn't trying to, but he felt the Lord say, you must bring this. And uh, anyway, as the service ended, he, he, he had made up his mind, he's going to bolt out the door in his car and he's out of there. Um, and so as he slinks out... Um, This lady runs after him and uh, with another older lady behind her. And she says, sir, please stop, please stop. Um, he, and, and he stops and she says to him, sir, you won't understand. What did you do today? What, do you realize that you spoke something that my mother understood? And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, my mother's from Armenia. Um, and, and you spoke Armenian this morning. Do you realize you spoke? And my mother has been struggling in her faith. Her mom couldn't really speak 
too much English, broken English, so she spoke through her daughter. And she said, um, my mother's been struggling in her faith, doubting God with a number of things, and she, she had been asking the Lord just to confirm something of His love to her. And you spoke a word to her in Ar- Ar- Armenian this morning. And you... <laughs> Now, yes, there could have been an interpretation, but friends, I want to say that sometimes, and, and so this older lady, you know, that God had his finger on this old lady in the congregation that needed encouragement, and he used Malcolm in the most foolish way to speak the love and the grace of God over her. Isn't that a wonderful story? And so sometimes, you know, we, we might see these gifts operating, but the result is that people can experience the grace and the love of God. But that's number three, is that we bring something. And so I want to encourage you, friends, is like to trust God that when we come, you know, it might be a, a scripture that the Lord lays, it might be a prayer, it might be a song. I know we've got a number of people that when we have meetings, like Ingrid, for example, should be one example, but of many, who would come and bring a prophetic song during worship, a spontaneous song in the Lord. But Ingrid is not like, oh, well, that's Ingrid, you know. She's got the dibs on all the songs, and she brings the song. no. I've seen, I've seen 15-year-old boys and I've seen old grannies get up and feel like they need to bring a song to the Lord. It's not always that nice to listen to, <laughs> but it is maybe, you know, there's something that God often uses in that to break it open and, um, and so to do that. But that's number three is we come with something to give in the Lord. Number four, then it says in verse 29, and let's look at verse 29. Um, Let two, three prophets speak. And then the last part I really want to focus on, let others weigh what is said. Let others weigh what is said. Now, the safety mechanism in a charismatic church like ours, in a spiritual church like ours, is that when there's prophecy and there's tongues and there's words that come, what is the safety mechanism to make sure that we are not being led astray? Because, you know, one person can get up and say, well, I believe the Lord is saying this. And how do we weigh that? Because we call to test, we call to test prophetic words, test this thing. How do we do that? Well, in two ways. And this is part of maybe the encouragement for us, and I'll share some stories around this. The first way, number one, is that we, a lot of what we, we, sh, we, we release, we release through the elders that lead the meetings. And in a sense, as the elders, we want to weigh up the word before we release it to the congregation. And so if you have something on your heart um, often what we do, as you know, the protocol is you generally come to one of us leading the meeting, and then you'd be able to share that word. And as you share that word afterwards, we kind of will, will, will filter it in a sense. If you, if you come to Derek in, in the worship and say, Derek, you know, I believe this, 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 and he's got like, ah, I, I don't right now feel like I want to release that, or maybe it's for you, or we, we, we do those kinds of things. And... Um, and, and through the elders, I want to say that it's wonderful to have the safety in church for that, because I was part of a church when I got saved, Warmer Christian Outreach, a little church in Port Elizabeth, as I mentioned, and one day we had a prophet come to town. Um, he came to prophesy. Uh, uh, he was a recognized prophet. He had been ministering around the world, and he came, and he picked out certain individuals in church, and he spoke. He prophesied over them, and actually with all of them, it was very, very much accurate, very online, and it built them up in their faith. But he had something for me, but I had just left the meeting. I had to leave early for some reason. And as I left the meeting, uh, he said, there was a young man who's just left the meeting. He said, the call of God is on that young man. And he said to the church, I feel like God has called him to business. And there's something of a business call on his life. So now if you know me, 
You know that I'm not I'm not a businessman. <laughs> I mean, I'm in ministry. I've I've been a teacher. That's my background, and that's more my passion. And anyway, I I heard about this word because the guys recorded it, and um, and the next week one of the elders phoned me. Said, Mike, there's this word that you know this guy gave, and he said, but as elders we've waited up, and we honestly felt in the Lord that that wasn't right. We we didn't feel a witness about that 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 was in the Lord, and it was so freeing for me because I felt that there was a safety that I could, okay, well, I'll take it, I'll put it on the shelf. Lord, if it's of you, then, you know, maybe one day, I'm not going to chase it. Maybe you've called me to make millions, I don't know, you know, if you have, praise God. <laughs> um, I can be generous with it. But, and so I had to lay it down, but I had the, the safety of the elders. And friends, you know, the wonderful thing is we're part of a church where we've got fathers and mothers and older brothers and sisters in the faith where we can help one another. That if, if you do have someone praying for you and encouraging you or maybe confusing you with something, we should be helping one another weigh up what he said. Um, you know, sometimes in church life as well, um, we, can, we can also get a bit weird. Um, and so we have to learn how to, how to share as we weigh things up in a way that is, is, is right. I want to share a story with you of a, um, of a guy... Craig Keener, he's a scholar, a very well-known scholar, that he's, he, and he believes in the, the gifts of the Spirit today. And he was sharing a story about going to church many years ago when he had just gone through a divorce. His wife had left him. He was innocent, but his wife left him when he was in his 20s. Wife left him, and he was left all alone. As this young man, he was, a, a, I think, a Bible professor at a university, and he was struggling in his faith. He, and so a, a couple invited him to this charismatic church, and at that point, he, he was in a conservative church, and he hadn't really experienced charismatic churches. But this particular charismatic church, he said, was really out there in terms of um, some of the words. And so he walked into the meeting, they worshipped, and as he walked in, he really experienced the presence of Jesus. It's like in the most tangible way, he knew that the Lord wanted to minister to him that morning. So when there was a prayer time, someone came up to him and said, look, I've got something for you. I would love to pray for you. And this is what he says. And I want to say this is about weighing up at times and knowing how to discern. Um, he says, during prayer, someone came up and started praying for me, making a buzzing sound like a bee. Bzzz, okay. Which I supposed he thought was tongues. I did not want him to pray for me. I wanted him to go away and allow me to pray undisturbed. Perhaps noting my perplexity, he explained, I felt that the Lord showed me you were going through something and that I should come and pray for you. I allowed him to pray, but I was so annoyed by his buzzing that I did not tell him I was in fact facing a crisis. Afterwards, I complained to one of the people who brought me that the buzzing was certainly not tongues. He has a bee anointing, she exclaimed. And so that's what, so he went to pray for her, but okay. Then I was even more annoyed. I did not and do not believe that he was praying in biblical tongues. Yet the man had enough sensitivity to the Spirit and concern for a brother to pray for me. While I'm sure he didn't have a bee anointing, I also think it likely that he was my brother in Christ, probably doing the best he knew to follow the Spirit's leading. And I love this story because, you know, what happens is when we pray, sometimes you find these weird things in church. Someone who might say, I'm going to just, have, and then, oh, no, he has a bee anointing. Like, what? <laughs> sometimes we've got to say, that's, just, that's weird. But mixed in with that is there's a sensitivity to the spirit where sometimes he might have, 
have, have been prompted in the Lord to pray for someone. And, and that, in the sense, was right. But we have to learn to weigh up sometimes what's this human flesh, what's people, and actually what might be from the Lord, even from someone who might bring it across in a way that's mixed. And friends, this is the way church happens for us, isn't it? This is a way that we've got to test and discern and pick up the good and reject the bad. And for some of us, what you do is, what we do is you're so quick to dismiss it. Ah, that's just rubbish. That person, their style and their manner is so weird. And some of you reject what actually God wants to do, even if it even might come across weird. But some of you on the other side where you embrace everything, you know, and so we've got to find the middle ground where we use the Word of God and we know the Bible enough to weigh it up and discern, but to be open to the Spirit's leading. Because, friends, in church life, we're going to have the weird, the whack, and the wonderful. Um, church is one part mystery and one part it's messy as well. You know? And so that's why we need these things, and the Bible gives us these things. And then lastly, I want to... Is that clear? Is that something that may be helpful to you? And then lastly this morning, I want to leave you with this. It says... Verse 26, he mentions these things in verse 26. You know, you come with all these things, then last, that last sentence, let all things be done for building up. And so that is point five. Why do we exercise the gifts together and not on your own in your room? Because you can't build someone up if you're on your own. You can't love someone if you're on your own. And so God calls us as we come together to love others. And how do we do that? We build others up through the gifts and the sharing and the participation with one another. Do you want to be built up? Do you want to come this morning? Do you, do you want to come and for the Lord to build you up? Don't we all want to come and be encouraged? Like, oh God, would you encourage us this morning? I know we're all in need of encouragement. Amen? Aren't you in need of someone to breathe courage over you? And I know we receive that. Yes, Lord, we receive that from you. But actually, the Bible says that the way you're going to get built up is through your brother or your sister, in a sense, encouraging you in your faith. And so, we're going to, we're going to worship together this morning, and I want to create space, as Skulk leads us into worship, for you to posture your heart to say, Lord, this morning, I'm going to come and trust you that you would use me. Maybe, maybe for you, it's a prayer. Maybe for you, it's a word, a prophecy, a scripture. Maybe even a tongue, an, an interpretation of a tongue that we can trust for in God. Um, but we are ministers. Do you believe this morning that you're a minister of God? Do you believe that? Or do you, if you think it's only for a few, then you do not believe the Spirit of God resides in you. We have to trust that this is of the Lord, and these are His ways. Um, so I would love us just to pray together. And, and I know it's been a very focused, I haven't been maybe magnifying Christ, but actually we are magnifying Christ in the way that we, 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 we understand these things and as we build one another up in the faith. And um, So come, let's just pray together. Let's stand and... So let's just pray together this morning. Come, Lord God. Oh, Lord... Oh, we worship you this morning, Lord God. Come, let's just position ourselves, just, just, uh, just uh, in a sense, be front-footed. The Bible says that it's faith that pleases God, and we want to come with faith and trust in our Lord this morning, that He welcomes us, that He draws us, 
um, that He uses us sometimes in spite of ourselves, in fact, always in spite of ourselves, you will never be good enough in one sense to be used by God. You will never be good enough to be His mouthpiece. And that's why He's given you His Son, Jesus, to cover us and to make us right in His sight. That as we worship God, we don't worship God on the basis of how good we are. We worship God on the basis of what He's done for us. That He's a good God and He's, he's covered us by His blood. And this morning we come because of, we come with boldness. And I want to say, friends, if you've maybe had a difficult week and you feel, no, but God, how could you ever use me? Or you feel like there's things that disqualify you. Yes, maybe there are things that you need to deal with in your life and that, that you know that you're hiding away from God. Some of you need to deal with that. Some of you might not be in the place where you can give right now. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. He, that He accepts you in Jesus if you trust Him. But there's some others of you that, that you've been almost lying dormant and that you've Maybe God wants you to step up and he's saying, my son and my daughter, it's like, even this morning, trust me that I want to use you. But let's just glorify him this morning together. We want to say we worship you, Lord God. We just worship you. We thank you that you're a kind father, a gracious God. And our eyes are fixed on you this morning, Lord, that you are gracious, kind and merciful towards us, that you don't give us what our sins deserve. Lord, that you haven't counted our sins against us, but you took our sins and you put it on Jesus. And Lord, we want to worship you for that this morning. Can we just give thanks to God, just where we are, just for what he's done for us? Let's just give thanks to him. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that you came in our place, that you lived the life that we should have lived, Lord, that you've died the death for us, that you have taken our place, that we can be accepted before the Father. And we stand with boldness and confidence before God this morning. And we lay hold of you because of what Jesus has done. Oh, we worship you today, Father. We worship you today, Lord. Lord, we, we glorify you. Oh, we magnify your name, Lord. We magnify your name. We pray you'd come and stir up, Lord, that we'd have many, many more men and women of God. I know that we've got so many here, Lord, who would even, that you would unlock their lips not just in meetings, but in, in life, Lord God, that maybe what you're causing them to want to step out more in, in faith in things, Lord, that you'd come this morning and unlock things in us, Lord God, to trust you and step out with greater boldness, Father. Come, Lord, and do that today. We worship you, God. In view of your mercy, we lay our lives down as, as living sacrifices to you. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Can we pray and just, um, I want to ask just before we worship, why, just if you feel like you want to pray this morning, just just maybe a short 